0: Episode 99 is here, everybody, with NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport covering the NFL on a national level, has been there since 2012, and a tremendous ascent in the media world started back on a national level in 2004, covering college football, and then eight years later, a short eight years later, the guy makes it onto a national stage working for NFL Network, NFL.com, and here he is, 2019, two million plus Twitter followers, has his own podcast. One of the major faces on uh, covering the NFL on any platform and uh, really appreciated Ian's uh, time, shedding some light and insight into his story, his journey, his professional path. So thank you, Ian. Check him out uh, at rap Sheet on Twitter and go give him a follow. Not like he needs any more, but if you're on Twitter, go check him out. That said, uh, before we get to it, we are now one episode away from episode 100. I've been teasing it for a while. We're finally here. So next episode after this. The one and only Ida Haber, my mother, will be joining us. She's taking over the mic. She's sitting in the host chair, and she is running the episode, and I will be the subject of that episode. So here we go, folks. Ida Haber joining me, episode 100. Keep an eye out for it. It's coming soon. But first, before we get there, click subscribe. Join the family. And then once you have, please welcome the one and only Ian Rappaport.
1: The optimal life.
0: Hey, uh, good to connect with you after, what has it been, a good, I don't know, six, seven, eight years even? <laughs> Jeez. Uh,
1: I think so, actually, yeah. Yeah.
0: Time flies, man. Time I really know. flies. How's, uh, how's married life? You have kids now? What's going on? Uh, I do, actually. Um, yeah, I got, uh, I, I'm
1: married life is fantastic. I uh, two kids, uh, Max and Jude. Max is a first grader. Jude's in pre-K. Um, wow. Both lunatics. Um, so
0: yeah, things are going good. What that's about a, you? That's a crazy phase. I'm um, doing great. I've got three kids. Uh, that's right. So yeah, three kids. Yeah, I think I think we had our first when we were hanging out at the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like the I think the real only time that you and I really ever spent any time together. Um, I think we had our first child very prior to that, pretty soon, pretty quickly prior to that, but. Uh, yeah. So three kids, two two kids on top of that. Later, it's like man, it is crazy. It is absolutely insane. It is insane. But it goes by fast. You know, you're in the thick of it, and uh, some of these days, you know how they say the days are long and the years are short. It's yeah. so it's so true. Like right now, where you, the phase that you're in right now, man, it is just it's constant grind. I, am I right? Every day is a grind.
1: I mean, it's easier now than it was when they were like know, one and two, now mm. at least you
0: can, like, you know, like I walked in with my two sons playing chess with each other before, I'm like, all right, like, that's, that's a solid face. You're like, we're, yeah. we're making progress here. Yeah, this is good. This is good stuff. Great. Uh, hey, two million Twitter followers. What, 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 what how, when did this happen? <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think. A couple weeks know. ago, really? Yeah. What I'm happened? Uh, what? I don't know, you know, just, uh...
1: I think it was, I don't even remember, I remember being like, oh, that's weird, and then
0: that was kind of it. So, like, over the past several years, and I want to get into some of your, your background and your story for everybody, but, uh, but, but obviously, NFL Network, NFL.com, it's, it's arguably the biggest platform for what you guys do, for what you do. Yeah. Um, so when does the Twitter – I'm just curious because, first of all, I'm not on Twitter. I was actually one of the first agents, I think, when I was in the agent business. I, I think I was one of the first ones that actually used it back in 2011 to promote the players and kind of get our name out there a little bit. Um, and I, I thought it was great a great tool for that. Um, for your business, it's obviously critical. So – like, what happens, man, when you start seeing the Twitter following? Does it start blowing up in the past couple years? Was it right away when you went to NFL Network? What what happens? Um, you
1: know, I would say it was, well, I mean, I, I, it's so, like, hard to remember now because, you know, like, I remember when it was a big deal when I got to a million, I think probably three years ago or so. But it's really, like, steadily built kind of throughout, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think what, you know, what happens is... Especially when, um, you sh- like, when you tweet about one team, when you cover one team, there's only so many people who can follow, right? But when right. you tweet about every team, and then also college players, you get you get a lot more, and then, you know, every single time you break news, it just escalates and, and escalates, and then you have times during free agency, during the draft, during coaching searches when people gotta have it, you know, and you just see it sort of build up, and... Um, You know, I'm sort of numb to it now. Uh, Like, I didn't really honestly even think about it until you mentioned it. But, you know, it's... On one hand, it's great because, you know, part of... You do this job not for just fun, but you want to reach as many people with the most consequential news uh, as you possibly can. Um, But, you know, it's also... I used to, like, chat with people on Twitter, and I can't really do that now because, you know, there's too many, and everyone's so snarky and negative and, you know, my wife left me and all that's kind of funny, but obviously it doesn't lend itself to conversation, so it definitely changes the way you do Twitter.
0: You know what I mean? Absolutely. That, that That's what I've noticed. It's become so negative. I mean, I'd imagine for someone like you, you post something, you can't even read your comments because people just start fighting with <clears throat> each other. I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't.
1: I You know, I stopped reading comments a couple of years ago. I mean, I'll read verified mentions a little bit, but like the actual comments... You know especially like either if you report something people don't like or you know you god forbid make a grammatical mistake or spell someone's name wrong it's just ridiculous (laughs) so you know i stopped reading a while ago and it's again like it's too bad because you know there'd be people you'd sort of get to know and now you can't talk to them anymore because they're just lost in the sea of comments you know what i mean so it sucks um But on the other hand, it's just sort of the price of doing business, I
0: guess. So, from a personal standpoint, because you're a media member, but your profile has been raised tremendously over the last seven years since joining NFL Network. Uh, What has it done for your personal life, Ian, when you go out in public? Have have things changed? Uh,
1: Yeah, I would say so. Um, You know, it's like... um, it sort of happens slowly, but you know, we're eating dinner and, and people, and what generally happens is people just stare. You know, I wish they wouldn't, not that I don't, I mean, I don't really care if people stare, but I, I wish they would just, you know, people would just come over and say hello. It's a lot less awkward. Like, there'll be times when we'll be eating dinner and you'll see someone just staring, and my wife will say, like, it's okay to come say hello. And they'll come say hello, and that'll have, like, a nice conversation. But a lot of times you get is just people staring. Because either it's like they don't want to bother you, but they're staring, or they're like, where do I know this guy from because you're sort of out of context like why is he not in a box on TV why is he not wearing a suit why is he not delivering news <laughs> yeah. Like, what is, yeah. it's like when you like when you run into your teacher at the movie theater you're like why are you not in the classroom Like, this is very strange you know so I, I would say you know it is definitely it's definitely changed like not that we do like a ton, but it's definitely changed going out to dinner um, and those kind of things you know when you're walking around and you're on a trip people say hello um, but I don't really like I mean, I don't really do anything crazy, so it's not like, I don't really have to worry about anyone seeing me do anything crazy, but if I did, I would definitely have to worry about it, because there are literally people anywhere, and you never know who has a cell phone or whatever, so um, the world has been become very, very, very small,
0: that's sort of just reality this, now. Yeah. And, and I, the other thing, too, is obviously you knew NFL was huge, and there was ramp, rampant fans everywhere. But you probably didn't truly appreciate the level of it until going and covering it on a national level, correct? Uh. Or did yeah, you did, I mean, did you know w- did you know it was going to lead to this? You're talking about like from just, the NFL level. Or? Yeah, just from like a visibility standpoint, and people everywhere you go, people want to talk to you about football now. I don't, you right? Well, see the weird, the weird thing for me is
1: like it's actually always been like this, but in small cocoons like. No, you know, like when I, when I covered Mississippi State for the jackson Clarion ledger in Starkville, Mississippi, um, I lived in a college town, so everybody knew who I was.
0: Everybody always wanted to talk about Mississippi State football all the time, uh. and that was all I kind of knew,
1: so that seemed normal. And people would always say to me, like, oh, you know, you're going to hate covering football because at some point you're going to be sick of it, and that all, all anyone's going to want to do is talk about the dogs, and, and that never happened. I mean, people did want to talk
0: about it, um, but I never minded it. Like, I like my job. You know, so... Mm
1: -hmm. And then when I covered University of Alabama, I lived in Tuscaloosa, a lot of people knew who I was. So they'd come up and talk about Alabama, and sometimes it wasn't that nice, especially during the early years when they were not good and Saban was just getting there. Um, But random people would come up to you all the time and talk about Alabama. So it's always... And when I covered the Patriots, like, I lived in South Boston... I wrote for the Herald, so a lot of people knew I was there. So, you know, we'd walk into our local bar, L Street Tavern, which is still, like, one of the best bars on earth. Um, and everybody would want to talk about the Patriots. So, Same story. it is, like, yeah. now it's just different teams, but it's it's really, like, strangely been my reality for, like, 12 years. And I kind of keep
0: waiting for to be, like, annoyed by it but it's never really happened. Like, That's I don't, great. Like, wow. I kind of like it, you know? That's great. Yeah, because if you're on vacation, you're sitting there, you, I, I would think, ah, uh, it's nice to kind of just check out, and you really can't check out. Like, it's always there, I guess. But if, if you love it, then you're obviously doing what you're meant to be doing. Well, the,
1: the, the weird thing for me is, like, there's, like, two sides of my world,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's the world where I try to break news,
1: right? Like, you've tracked stories, you call coaches and GMs and personnel people and agents and players and everyone else, and you try to break news. That is like non-stop fight and non-stop grind. That is my job. then the other side of it is on Sundays, or Thursdays or Mondays or whatever, you watch football. And it almost feels to me like that's two different things. You know what I mean? So like, yes, there are times when I'm like, I wish my phone would stop ringing, stop texting me, like, I need a break but it's never like turned football off because it's almost like football is a separate part of it like I still like watching football as much as I ever did probably more now because I know so much of what's going on
0: right you like be like you like the fan aspect of it you still are a fan of it on Sundays oh, or whenever yeah. you're watching yeah yeah well I, the, it's
1: it's good I mean the product is good you know sometimes there's controversy and that and that kind of becomes the work part of it but like you know, when you have a game you're looking forward to, like, I remember like, I was, even just last weekend, like, or, yeah, last Sunday, you know, Cowboys-Eagles was coming up, and I'm like, this is going to be, like, I was like, this is great. Like, I was legitimately excited to sit down and watch Eagles-Cowboys. Like, it's
0: just, it's still, That's awesome. it's still fun. If only everybody in this world could find a job that they love as much as it sounds like you love yours, people would be much happier. Uh, but that said, you, you mentioned going back to 2004, Mississippi State. So uh, I, I look at your ascent, and I'm blown away, and I want to hear how you did it, and maybe we could take away a few things from just a business aspect, hard work, whatever it took. So you're in Mississippi State, as you mentioned. You're covering the Bulldogs, 2004, and uh, and you're doing that. That was your first time covering any kind of football? Uh, well, no, I covered high school football. Are you First covered school? high school, okay, okay. <laughs> no, but it's, uh, you know, I, yeah, so, so I was covering, I was covering high school football and a lot of other sports, at mm-hmm. the Journal
1: News, you know, you cover high school sports, and you go cover the game, you take games over the phone, you write your story, um, you know, all that stuff, and, uh, um, then, you know, I've been there two years, And I was not moving up. I was doing well, but I was not moving up as far as pay scale. I was working part-time. There was like 13 of us. And you could only make $12 an hour, and you could only work 25 hours a week. I was working a lot more than that, but I was only getting paid for that. So I was not moving up, and I wanted to leave. So um, there was a job. And I was passed over for a promotion at the Journal News. So um, there was a job opening in Starkville, Mississippi. I said to my, with the same newspaper, cadet newspaper, covering Mississippi State, and it should have been a really desirable job because it's covering the SEC. But people didn't want to live in Starkville, the college town, and I didn't care with, without
0: like care. Um, I was twenty four and single, and I sounds, wanted a good job. Sounds so kind I of applied. fun to me, yeah. Yeah, it
1: was great. Yeah. And so
0: I remember sitting in the living room of Rusty
1: Hampton, the uh, you know the sports editor, and. And he was like, why would a kid from New York City, went to Columbia, possibly take a job, covering Mississippi State? And I was like, well, why in the world would someone who's looking for a Mississippi State beat writer hire someone who's only covered college, or only covered high school football
0: and has no experience with the SEC? And he was like, all right, good point. <laughs> so he
1: hired me, and I took it, did that for two years, and it was like a crazy education. Like, I... I could not have loved my time in Starkville more. Um, I was covering Sylvester Kroon, who was the first black coach in SEC
0: history. Who's an amazing man, Mm -hmm.
1: uh, who I still talk to to this day, and um, met my wife there. You know, like it's
0: Starkville was great. When you say education, what what was what were some of the things that you took away from that?
1: Um, I didn't know anything about how to be on a beat. I didn't. I didn't understand. You know how you compete for everything. How you're fighting for injuries and to see who gets the best scoops the best access the best interviews you know learning the SEC I didn't know anything about the SEC Um, I didn't know anything about that kind of writing like just grinding and reporting on a beat and I'll never forget this I covered a Mississippi State Auburn game um, second game of the year and you know they lost by 50 or something like that it was Cadillac and Ronnie Brown
0: and Jason Campbell and Auburn was great Mm mm-hmm and I wrote this sort of
1: like very flowery, featured game story where I had all like my opinion all over the place. And I thought I wrote something just beautiful. And the sports editor, Rusty Hampton, sent it back to me two days later with it marked up like I've never seen. And I almost had like a meltdown. Because I'm like, first of all, it's like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I wrote such a great article. And then when he kind of got through to me, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know anything. I literally didn't know anything, but I thought I did.
0: Um, Interesting. Yeah. So. So just getting thrown you know, into getting thrown into the fire, learning how the ins and outs of that industry work. You probably not even. I'd imagine the relationship aspect is huge. Like getting in with the right people. Oh yeah. So, I mean, that's that's so much. Of it.
1: Well, it's getting in with the right people, and you know, when you live in the college town. That's why. Like, I was the first beat writer Covered Mississippi State to do it Then when I covered Alabama I was the first beat writer covering Alabama to live in Tuscaloosa And it just makes it easier Right there You know, you used, people used to commute How, so,
0: how does one obviously. beat writer Separate him or herself from another? Is it strictly just having those contacts Having the relationship? Is that the most important thing?
1: Yeah, well I think that was really important But, you know, I, I always covered Stuff Like, I was always the youngest on a beat And everyone else always had great contacts to me, it was all about like, especially when it covered Alabama when the access was so shut down. Like figuring out ways to report the story that was mm-hmm. one. Like different ways. Like if the coach won't say anything and the players won't say anything, like how else are you gonna get to it? Right. Um. You know, and and uh, like how like how are you gonna do your job? I think that was the main thing. And then it's like the other thing is when you let's say you're friendly with people. Let's say you become a you know, young B writer. You meet this. SID and you know you're friendly with them, but sometimes you gotta report negative stuff. Right. How do you do that? How do you call someone who you like and say, "Hey, I'm about to write something that's going to drive your head coach up the wall." I have to do that a million times, um, you know, a million times in Alabama.
0: Well, so that's what. It, so fun. you, so you, you're learning your first two years. You're thrown into the fight. Your first two years of covering on, on a major scale, which we'll say was Mississippi State. Um, you get thrown into the fire. You're learning a ton. And then you end up get, getting the, the job over at Alabama, which I would imagine that had to be tremendously thrilling for you. Uh, was Nick Saban the coach when you got the job? Uh, he was not. Okay. My actually
1: was the coach for a year, and then he got fired. Um, and then Saban came out in my second year. My life turned literally upside down, like nothing I've experienced before. Like, I remember, you know, when it was a 38-day coaching search to hire Nick Saban. One of the worst experiences of my life. Like I broke the biggest story I'd ever broken, that Rich Rodriguez agreed to terms with Alabama, which he did. And then when he pulled out, I was like, you know, enemy number one. That was awful. Even though I was right, nobody cared because he pulled out. And anyway, so then they finally hired Saban, this marathon coaching search, which was such a nightmare for me and everyone the whole
0: world was terrible it was a nightmare for you because because of every single day nothing was bigger in the whole world than Alabama was going to hire yeah and you couldn't sleep you didn't want to be the one to miss it right yeah and it was just you know every single day calling the same people it was awful that reminds me of like like, when when LeBron was uh, doing that thing a few years back where is he going to go before he came back to Cleveland for the second time yeah. Remember that? It was like th- yeah. three or four weeks worth of crap, like that. Yeah, it was awful. And yeah. you know, my wife still jokes about it.
1: Like I spent her graduation party outside on the phone.
0: Like it was awful. Mm-hmm. Um. But anyway, then you know, when 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 he when everyone knew he was leaving for Alabama,
1: you know, I had it right with everyone else. I don't remember who like actually broke it. I mean, I think I did, but I wouldn't like swear to it because there was no Twitter then, so you didn't really know. Um. And anyway, so then you get to Tuscaloosa Airport because he's flying in and I pulled in there and there were 5,000 people in Tuscaloosa Airport. Jeez. And I knew it was a big deal and I'm like, oh my God. Like, oh my God. This is crazy. And my world changed and he and I battled for like a year um, but everybody was reading and it really like was life changing because it put the spotlight on a job that was otherwise pretty good uh, but it became crazy when when Nick Saban took it.
0: You must have learned another tremendous skill through a guy like that on how to be uh, professionally persistent and aggressive to a, to a certain <laughs> point in order to be able to pull things out of somebody who's really not willing to talk. So I would imagine that would have been a tremendous experience for you as well. Well,
1: I mean, he was... When you got him, he was fine. He would tell you whatever. Um, the problem was you could rarely get him. Like I did a couple sit downs with him, but you could rarely get him. And mm-hmm. his assistants wouldn't talk, and players wouldn't talk, and just it was hard to find news. So when the but I did anyway. And so when the Patriots job came open at the Boston Herald, basically what I did was I wrote the sports editors a letter. I'm like the sports editor Hank Hernowitz wrote him a letter and was like, here's how I covered Nick Saban in Alabama. Here's what I would do to cover. Bill Check with the Patriots
0: same sort of philosophy Brilliant.
1: Um, and they they liked it and eventually hired me because it's hard to go find news in such a closed down environment
0: getting a job with the Herald just for people to put this into perspective because this just seems easy oh I went from Mississippi State I just got the job at Alabama no big deal they needed somebody Boston needed somebody it, it's not like that I, I, how many people are, are fighting for a job like that um a lot, I think,
1: and you know that—that's something locally that everybody wanted. Now it was with the Herald, which is still alive and kicking, still a great place. But at that point, they had a
0: bunch. They were like one of the first papers to have a bunch of layoffs. Mm-hmm. So
1: everybody was wondering, like, oh, about the health of the paper and all that. Um, I just remember that it was the first time they'd gone outside the Boston area to make a hire in like 20 years. Everybody, wow! It was always local. So when they hired me, people were like, "Who the hell is this guy?" No, I mean, you know, I covered Alabama, and I was like, in the South, it was a big deal, but in the Northeast, like, nobody knows, nobody cares, nobody knows who you are. Right, So, sure. I walked in there like, who the hell is this guy, you know? Wow. I'm
0: sure it didn't take long before I started pissing people off. In the <laughs> That's great. Like, Here he comes. He already did it to yeah. Saban. Um, well, you know, to me, man, that is huge right there, though, is you have to find ways to differentiate <laughs> yourself, whatever it is you're doing. Whatever business you're in, whatever line of work you're in, there's so many people fighting for a spot that you have to do something that's different. If you didn't, if you didn't do that, you would have just been another name and would have been a number, right? You have yeah. to find something that's going to set you apart from everybody else. They they probably they probably didn't have your name on their short list originally. I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would like to know what I you know I've never asked them. I might actually do that now that you mention it. I'd like to know their first reaction when they got my my very very long letter because I was like, "There's no way." And then they brought me up to interview me, and then they didn't hire me for like six months. The whole process was excruciating and horrible because at that point, my wife and I wanted to move. Right. We wanted to move to Boston, and we you know it took six months between the interview and the actual hire um but I'd like to know what they actually thought when they got that letter cause yeah I mean it's I didn't think they would actually do
0: it that's that's incredible so you get the job when you get the call that you that you're getting the job do you get a phone call or does it come through in an email that they're making you an offer uh it was a phone
1: call uh and I didn't have a good cell service at my house so I was walking around I was actually up visiting my parents at the time in New York and um you know, I got the call and I was staying in their backyard and I was so excited because like it actually, they, you know, they kept telling me, I keep checking in, keep checking in. And they called and they actually, we actually got to move to Boston and the whole thing was amazing. Uh, and I couldn't believe it because this was everything we had like dreamed about and want to get, you know, getting to move back to the Northeast and cover the Patriots. It was incredible. But then it's like, which is great. And it's all great. And then it's like, one, we have to move, which I actually stayed with my cousin's uh, in a Boston suburb for three months before my wife came up. She had to finish finish her job. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But then it's like, you have to actually do the job. You know, like, congratulations on getting the job. You have to actually do the job. Right now, it's
0: time to put the work Yeah, I didn't know anything. I really, like, I remember, you know,
1: transactions would happen, like Mike Reese would break something or whatever, and I'd be like, all right, who is that guy? And I'd like, call his agent up and see, like, you know, did he really get released and I was just like behind in everything for a year it really takes like every job I've had it takes like a full year to learn what the hell you're doing forget about like doing it well it takes a full year to just learn what you are doing on a beat
0: wow so you, you that's f- 2004 is Mississippi State now it's 2009 so in 5 short years you have now catapulted from Mississippi State to Alabama and now to the NFL level Boston uh, to Boston to New England Patriots Two thousand nine through two thousand twelve, the next few years, you are covering the Patriots. What what is the the biggest lesson you learned in that time professionally? Um
1: basically to sort of keep keep grinding, you know, which I know sounds probably cliche, but like you know, it's so hard to cover the Patriots. Every little bit of news, like I remember breaking who the captains are gonna be. I was so excited by that. Because like break the captains when like most teams like who cares who the captains are I mean teams announce it and that's it but that's like every bit of every little thing is news in the Patriots world it's just crazy wow. it's so hard to break like real things of substance um, you know so I would say you know basically it, um, it it taught me just to keep at it because it was players hate players never talked nobody was ever available in the locker room everything was sort of done grudgingly. So by the time you get to like the middle of October, every beat writer's just beaten down. Like, ugh, gotta go wait in the locker room, no one's here, go through the same stuff, somehow figure out a story for tomorrow, it was was hard. But you get to November, December, if you keep grinding and keep working at it, then you will get things that other people didn't have because they were just annoyed. You know, they were done. And I think that probably taught me the most is like, just keep at it because if
0: you work hard, then you'll be able to kind of grind your way through being frustrated by covering the Patriots. That makes That's sense. That's beautiful. And how about, how about, as you alluded to earlier, the, the reality of this industry is you have to be critical at times. And so you're critiquing these guys, whether it's coaching staff, players, or everybody in the organization. What is that like when you have to critique them and then you're seeing them almost every day?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's not, it's it's not hard. Um, yeah. you know, I remember with the Patriots, you know, it was fine when it's on print. When I started, toward the end of my Patriots time, I'd go on, like, local Boston TV. You know, they'd give you a couple hundred bucks, you'd appear for 20 minutes. It was, like, a really big deal, and I needed the money very badly at that time. So I was, like, so happy for every TV appearance. But then if you were critical of the team, Belichick would play it in a team meeting. You know, so like you walk in, and you say how to player, you know, and they're like looking at you like you just insulted them because you kind of did on TV,
0: you know. He actually would um, play the clips from the media for his team. Oh, yeah. oh wow, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, so then you walk in, you're like, oh crap, like this guy's angry at me because you know. But so, so what I've sort of learned
1: is you tell people on the front end. Like hey, I'm about,
0: like I'll I'll try to do this now whenever possible. Doesn't uh, always work, but you try whenever possible. Like hey, I'm about
1: to report this. Just wanting to give heads up. I don't need anything, but I'm just gonna let you know. And either they'll say like actually, what you need to understand is this, or they'll just be like thanks.
0: Gotcha, and gotcha. Get, get, sometimes
1: that's it. But like, I think people know you have a job to do. If you just upfront and tell them, they'll handle it okay.
0: Yeah, deliver bad news early. Be upfront with them. That makes sense. Yep. So, you, you, uh, okay. So now, now taking taking you, you're there for just three years. Again, a short stint in the grand scheme of things. What happens that you? How how do you go from that to NFL Network? So,
1: I don't really know. Um,
0: ah. I would do those little TV appearances, and then like NFL Network asked.
1: We have this show called Around the League, which they would ask like local beat writers to come on and just you know give five minutes, talk about the team, whatever. And, you know, they asked me to do two or three and I'd talk about the Patriots and, you know, I never got a chance to do that. But every once in a while they'd ask me, they'd always have like Tom Kern or something on instead of me. But every once in a while they asked me, I did it and it was fine. Um, And then one time they asked me to tape a one minute segment, just like talk for one minute straight. Asked me to do it this way, switch a couple of things, do it another way, and I was like, "That's really weird, but okay." And I didn't even know if the thing aired, but okay, fine, whatever. And then I get to the Super Bowl, and I get a call from this guy I knew who was booking for them, who had always booked the B writers. And he was mm-hmm. like, "Hey, do you have time to meet with some, you know, NFL Network bosses?" I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, I guess." So I walked in to this like conference room. They were sitting; at, three of them were sitting at a table. I sit down, and they say hello, and they fire questions at me for like an hour and you know, ask me all sorts of things. How would you do this? How would you handle this? What do you know about this and all that? You know, you broke this story, how did this happen? All that stuff. At the end, they're like, All right, well that was great, you know we asked you a lot of questions. Do you have any questions for us? And I'm like, Yeah, like what am I doing here? <laughs> and they're like, Oh, well, you know, we're looking at hiring TV reporters and you're showing we're considering. I'm like, well, I don't know anything about TV. And I said, oh, that's fine. We'll teach you. Oh, and by the way, you know, we're looking for a Dallas Bureau reporter to cover the Cowboys. Would you be willing to move? And I was like, yeah. Like, I almost almost got a job with the Dallas Morning News the year before, which we thought I interviewed for. We looked at houses like we thought I was going to get. They ended up not opening the position. But I was like, yeah, like, I almost moved to Dallas. I could move there for the right job. And they're like, okay, we'll let you know. I'm like, yeah, whatever, okay. Uh, but I leave there, and I tell my wife, I'm like, look, like I may be crazy, like, but I think something is happening here, and don't make fun of me because I don't want to get ahead of myself. But I'm telling you, like, I think
0: something just happened. That is wild, man. And then they hired me a month later. That was in 2012 at the Super Bowl. Move me to Dallas, and uh, yeah. Because you know what, I I think the last time I saw you was like 2011 at the Senior Bowl, and. Wow, a year later, you, you get the, yeah. the offer to move to with the new NFL Network. That is just crazy, man. That's crazy. I mean, oh, you, you just started God. covering football at a, at a national level in 2004, and eight years later, you you, you get moved to the NFL Network, and now, and, and I, forgive me because I, I've kind of, since I've been out of the industry, I've kind of haven't been paying that much attention to it like I mm-hmm. used to, but I know that you're one of the main faces on, on the NFL Network. hmm like, how did this go? This has got to be a whirlwind for you. Yeah, it's
1: it's been really strange. I mean, I'm so, like, at peace with all these things now. They don't seem weird anymore, but it's still thinking about it seems weird. So, like, I covered you know, the Cowboys for a year. And then my our news editor calls me and he's like, you know, what would you think about being our insider? We didn't have one at that point because Jason Ford was like, go. And I'm like, uh, maybe. Like, I, I don't know if I could do it, but sure. And he's like, all right, well, we want you to come to L.A. for Black Monday where all the coaches get fired. And we haven't broken a Black Monday story in three years. So,
0: you know, we'd love to see if you could break one. You're like, dudes, I, I've, de- I've dealt with Sabin and Belichick. This is this <laughs> this is this is no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. So I, like, yeah. went to work and I ended up breaking Lovey Smith getting
1: fired by the Bears. Um, and it was like a big moment, even though it was a terrible moment for him, because i I broke
0: one right you
1: know wow. um, And I was, was like, all right, I think I could do this
0: that is incredible. So now you're at NFL you've been there for seven years now how how long do those contracts typically last, or does it just vary? I
1: did a, a three- year deal and then uh, another three-year deal, and now I have a five-year
0: deal are you negotiating these yourself, or do you have somebody helping you? I have an agent, Jerry Silbowitz from UTA. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Good. That's great, man. That's that's fantastic. And and now what is what is so now you're just breaking news on a national level, correct? Yes. You're breaking news on a national level. Are you on TV every day?
1: Yeah, basically. I mean, I'm on TV. I would say between, you know, seven and ten times a day. Uh, Monday. Tuesdays an off day, although I work some Tuesdays, and then Saturdays is kind of a gathering news day. But basically, like five days a week, I'm definitely on TV, and then the other two days, sometimes I'm on TV. Um, but it's you know, it's it's every day. It's just you wake up early and you know news every single day. Yep.
0: What's your uh, what's your favorite part of, of the job at this point? Uh, when I win. You know, when, when you like get it when you, right, when you're the first guy, yeah, yeah, when you're, yeah, big story, get it right. You know, no one sees
1: it coming. It just kind of explodes on everyone. It's just, that's the good stuff. You yeah, know, that's, that's where that's where like you know, when you just you're holding
0: something and then you just drop it and no one had any idea it was coming and it's like they're like, oh my god, you know, that's that's what's. And awesome. that's got to be so hard to do nowadays too with their, all the social media. It's got to be I so know. hard to pull that off. I know, especially because what will happen is, you know, like trades or whatever, you
1: know, you sort of, you kind of keep it quiet while it's being worked out, even though you know it's happening, and then drop it when it's done, but sometimes people beat you to it, um, or sometimes you put your phone down, like I, I had the Emmanuel Sanders to San Francisco trade, I walked into, I was on my off day, I had to walk into a pharmacy to get a flu shot, turns out there was bad cell service there, which I didn't realize at the time, but I just wasn't getting any texts, And I walk out of there and I would have broken the trade, but I'd had
0: bad service 70 minutes ago, so I missed it. No, like, that's crazy. Yeah. Just crazy. Yeah. Hey, uh, that is incredible. Listen, it, it doesn't happen, man, if you don't have that grind, if you don't have that work ethic, if you're not putting in those countless hours, you know, 15 years ago. This doesn't happen. It doesn't, nothing happens by accident. Um, and everyone that always gets to the next level, they just keep. Everyone says the same thing. It's like, yeah, it might be cliche, but it just keep working hard, keep going at it. You can't sit back and re- relax and rest even a day or two, because you know somebody else, all those other guys are working then. Yeah, I think that's the Scariest thing. That's the scariest thing about my job is like whenever you kind of let down or God forbid go on vacation or something, you know that someone else is right. Someone else is on it. Absolutely. Know? Hey, uh, this is great, man. Hey, before before you, we uh, wrap it up, a couple other things. Sure. Um, I'm in Cleveland, uh, and uh, Cleveland Browns are at. A, they're coming off a bye this week. Um, a lot of hype, obviously, going into the season, and a lot of disappointment so far from for Cleveland fans. What, what's uh, what can you share with us about what you know about the team? Well, um, I think they're you know
1: sort of still trying to find themselves, you know. Um, I think they're obviously talented. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they do something on the trade deadline. Um, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I can see them adding someone. But you know, they got a first-year head coach. They got Baker Mayfield, who I, I mean, he was great last year, but you know, he's still young, still learning, still trying to figure it out himself. You know, I still think the future is bright because they got a good team. Uh, they, they don't block very well, which again, like, I think will improve as they maybe the trade deadline. Maybe they'll find someone, but. Um, you know, I I I still I still think the Browns are
0: going to end up being kind of who we thought they were. It's just a long yeah. season, and they're not there yet. That's <laughs> that's right. But but I would be. I mean, Dorsey's got to be on the phones for the for some kind of trade. I would imagine. Yeah, I would imagine. Right. I mean, I would. Yeah, yeah, I would.
1: I would think that. Uh, I don't know if they're going to do a trade, but at the least they're going to be looking to do a trade.
0: Patriots uh, go undefeated this year? Yes or no?
1: It's so hard to go undefeated.
0: It's crazy, it's but they, but they, but it almost feels like it's harder for them to go, to lose a game. Now it just it's just crazy. Well,
1: I mean, you know, they're great. Obviously, they're great. It's just, you know, there's going to be games when they don't play great. Yeah, uh, and they're going to lose. So to me, probably don't go undefeated, which doesn't say anything about what kind of team they are. It's just really hard to do.
0: Uh, you're tremendously busy covering the entire NFL. Uh, clearly, the most popular sport in in this country, and on top of that, you recently, I believe, over I don't know the past several years, uh, released a podcast. Can you tell tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, um, it is the Rap and Friends podcast. Drops every week. Uh,
0: okay. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> I have a great time doing it uh, with my buddies Mike Garofalo and Tom Pellicero. Oh, nice! Uh, you, you know, you uh, you uh, dropped two names. You know, I had Mike Reese and Garofalo both on this podcast over the past year and a half. So. Oh, okay, yeah. there you go, that's yeah. cool yep. um, Yeah,
1: so it's it's great, you know, getting a guest is is awesome and hard And especially when you get, you know, it's hard when you get a good one But um, it's hard to get a good one, but when you get one, it's fantastic, you know It's just, they got Gronk the first week, Philip Rivers the second week it's, Oh, nice, man Yeah, I mean, it's been
0: That's awesome you
1: know, it's, been a, it's been a good year, and it's fun And the mo- most important thing is I just like doing
0: it it's, um, They're great, it's aren't cool. they? It's fun it's great, to do. absolutely. So every week, rap sheet and friends, and you guys are on all podcast platforms. That's right, everywhere you can get a podcast, we are there. Beautiful, and I'll make sure that we link it up in the notes. Uh, like I said, I really appreciate it. I don't know, man. I don't know what's going to be next for you. I mean, you're you're right now at the top of the media world. You you ever see, foresee a a scenario where maybe an NFL team's calling you one day to come join the front office? No, 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 no. No, no. <laughs> no? you don't uh, want to go that quali- far. No. I'm not qualified. Uh, I like my job, man. I hope I stay at my job for a really long time. That's great. That's great, man. Hey, uh, check him out, Rap Sheet on Twitter. Go follow him. He needs he needs another two million on top of what he already has. So <laughs> keep going. Uh, hey, bro, I'm gonna send you the the link to this podcast, and uh, feel uh-huh. free to share it if you'd like. I I don't think people get your guys' stories out enough. You guys are always covering everybody else. So uh, if if you if you like this, feel free to share it on Twitter. And uh, really appreciate you shedding some light into your background. All right, no problem,
1: man. Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed
0: it. Thanks, Ian. Talk to you soon. All right, take uh, care. All right, bye.